Happy New Year to you, everybody. Uh, I, I cannot believe that it is uh, January 5th, 2020. Um, I, I, I was driving in my car, um, and I, I got offended when I heard a radio host say that it's the start of a new decade. Um, and so I did what all smart people do. I started counting my fingers and my toes, trying to put it together to figure out if he knew what he was talking about. I cannot believe that we are 20 years into the year 2020. Clearly the Jetsons lied, by the way. I just, just want to throw that out there. You gotta be 30 and over, by the way, to catch that. Uh, and um, it, it, it just, it, it blows my mind, but I understand what George is because it appears as though the last 10 years have flown by, right? Like it's, 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 it's been a quick, quick 10 years, a quick decade. Uh, now, if you know me, if you know me, it would be nothing for my cynicism to come out when it comes to New Year's. Um, some of you all have been with me for a while, and, and you know that uh, it comes up often. And during the New Year, in times past, I've done nothing but point out that the only thing that's happened realistically is the passing of one moment of time to the next, that the newness that we proclaim is really more emotional and mental, but something happens when you reach a certain age. And, uh, and I've had, been forced, maybe through life and experience, as I've reached my fourth decade, uh, still tripping about that, that my cynicism has been forced aside because I'm aware that the only reason that I was blessed to, well, let, let me be honest, I didn't see the clock change. At my age, you sleep into the new year. Um, but blessed to wake up and to see that there was another year. Now, as you grow, you get older, and you get a little bit more tread on your tires, uh, your worldview begins to expand, right? Uh, you begin to see things for what they really are, experience things for what they really may be. But not only does your worldview expand, um, your theology expands. Let me make my point. Um, I, I, I've been grateful, but also I understand that in years past, it would be nothing for me to boisterously get up and proclaim that we should shout rambunctiously because of the reality that we have been allowed to see the passing of another year. And that I would proclaim that each and every one of us ought to celebrate God and praise God's emphatic, praise God emphatically because of that. Um, and, and one year something happened that I woke up a new year and had to wrestle with the reality that I am grateful that God allowed me to see a new year. There was celebration but also had to pause for a moment because I was grieving because my nephew didn't. In one hand, man, I had celebration, and in another hand, I had lamentation. In 2019, I struggled because I celebrated the starting of 2019 celebration, but there was lamentation because my uncle had tragically died just a couple of months before. I had to carry them in both hands, and this year I spent time in my office preparing for today in both celebration and lamentation because my grandmother didn't make it to see this year. You hold in my both hands, both celebration and lamentation. I know I'm not the only one in here today. 
that as we thank God and we celebrate God for what he's done, in one hand, we hold that celebration, yet in the other hand, we lament because there are people who didn't make it to see it with us. Thanks be to God that we are here, but I want to let you know that I understand and I grieve and lament with you because God is still good, but our hearts still grieve. That's kind of what I, I, I want to kind of deal with for the beginning of this series, for the start of this year, that each, each year actually brings that. Nothing really changes. It kind of reminds me of what the great writer, this isn't our focus passage, by the way, but what the great writer in Ecclesiastes says, he talks about both celebration and lamentation in that famous chapter in Ephesians, Ecclesiastes 3. He says, for there is a time for everything under the sun. There is a time to what? Be both born and to die. There's a time to plant and to sow. There's a time to kill and to heal. There is a time to tear down and to build. There's a time to both weep and laugh, a time to mourn and dance or to celebrate and lament. And that's life in essence, right? It comes in seasons. And the reality is that when December 31st, 2020 hits, if you are blessed to see that hour come, you'll still find yourself holding both in your hand, both a time to celebrate and a time to lament. You, you, you have experienced birth and death. You experience planting and sowing, building and tearing down, mourning and dancing. Those things will come to you, both celebration and lamentation. And the reality of it is it doesn't really matter who you are. These seasons find you regardless of who you are, where you are, what you've experienced. Each and every one of us have to experience all of these for lamentation and celebration doesn't escape any of us. These are seasons that our humanity brings about us. But I don't know about you. I, I enjoy the celebration, but I'm so glad that the lamentation is not the end of the story. That although I lament and I grieve and I weep, I'm so glad that there's a hope that allows me to wake up at the beginning of the year knowing that my brokenness, my broken heart is not the end of the story. That is, by the way, the hope that Jesus brings. The hope that Jesus brings is that as we are citizens of the kingdom, that God allows us to no longer be defined by what happens to us. Yeah, that our identity and our hope lies in the fact that he has overcome every trial that we have experienced. That in all of those seasons, as they come and grow, both celebration and lamentation, we can still find a reason to praise God. Because even in the season of your deepest moment of grief, the Lord is still on the throne. And I'm so glad about that because I can wake up each and every day missing my loved ones, each and every day recognizing that I may not be, may not have what I thought that I would have or would be in 2020. But God isn't through with me yet. God isn't through with you that. Have you ever been there? 
that, that some things have just happened over a period of time and you begin to, to understand, to ponder, to deal with the reality that, listen, last year or yesterday, the last hour, this day wasn't enough. Have you ever woke up or just had the attitude that I just want to throw the whole thing away? Yeah, you ever just had that? You ever, you ever been to a restaurant, by the way, and, uh, and they mess up your order? And then you, you listen, man, you pray. Lord Jesus, please let them take my, my order back and let them not, in the name of Jesus, do anything to my food when I send it back. But then when it comes back, the order still hasn't gotten any better. You ever happened there? And they say, well, can, can we fix it? No, no just, just throw the whole thing away. I just don't, I just don't even want it. I'm not even hungry. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Some, sometimes in life, some days, some seasons, you get like that, right? There's been some months, there have been some hours where it doesn't matter what I do to try and attempt to change it. I just want to throw it away. I don't even want to remember it. Lord, help me to wipe the slate clean so that it disappears from everything that I've experienced. Just throw the whole thing away. That's why the new year is so great. Because we are refreshed. And it gives us the opportunity to put on a whole new perspective about what's coming to us, that something new is actually possible. And I think that's what the writer in Corinthians, what Paul was telling us. So if you, you've got your, your Bibles, your devices, or it'll be available for you on the screen, open with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, three short verses, verses 16 through 18. Let's see. Let's see what Paul has to say about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 16, Paul says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed when day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Amen. I love this portion in the, the, the background of what Paul is trying to explain to the Corinthian church, the believers at this point. In this second letter, letter to the Corinthians, he's having to explain to people who have experienced seasons or who are witnessing the seasons that Paul is in. Paul was having to fix their mind because the Corinthian church was seduced by the visibility of exceptionalism and prosperity in their culture which meant that they looked at what was apparently to society blessings based upon your outward experiences, and then they looked at Paul and saw Paul with his multiple imprisonments, with his multiple beatings, with his hours and days and weeks and months of sufferings, and they said to Paul, Paul, here's what blessings look like. Blessings look like exceptionalism. Blessings look like prosperity. And Paul, because you are not exceptionally doing well and because you do not have prosperity, clearly, Paul, there's something wrong with you. And so Paul is having to deal with the reality that although you look at my story right now, that does not make all of me. You ever been there with people, by the way? 
that they see the outward experience, the outward expressions of things that are happening to you. And because things do not look the way that they think that they ought to look because you are supposed to be a person of faith, because you don't have the health, the wealth, and the prosperity that they say comes with our faith and belief, that they begin to assume that either something is wrong with you or you've sinned against God, that God has taken it out on you, which is bad theology, or they think that perhaps you're doing something wrong. You're doing this thing the wrong way. And so they'll give you, man, some really, really, really shallow, really, really, man, really shallow theology and, 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 and prescriptions on how to get out of it. They'll say, well, maybe you should just pray. Like, I haven't been praying every day. Like, like, like I, I just stopped talking to God, which is the reason why God has allowed me to be in this moment. Or, or they say, well, you know, listen, you know, my pastor says that you should fast. You know, the Bible says that these types only come out through fasting and prayer. Maybe you've been praying, but maybe, maybe you need to fast. Well, okay, what if I have been fasting and I have been fasting? I've been changing. I started out the new year with the Daniel fast. I fasted for 21 days. I fasted for three days. I fasted from food. I fasted from Netflix. I fasted from family. I fasted from everything that you come with. And my situations have changed. And they look at you like, well, you're just doing it wrong. You ever had people talk to you that way? Like, you don't know how to do your faith the right way, which is why you're experiencing that. I also understand the other side of that, though, right? The side that you perhaps have woke up this year and you are not currently where you thought that you would be in this season. That you woke up this year, you just knew that you would wake up 20 years into the 2000s. And you thought that you would be here. If I can be transparent, I, I woke up having that internal dialogue. I, I just knew at age 40, I just knew 20 years, I just knew in my career, I just knew that I would be at certain spaces. And I had to look at myself and have an internal dialogue because, Jamel, this, this isn't where I imagined that we would be in the year 2020. And it ultimately led me to the passage that I, I shared with you today as I was having this, this conversation with myself. And what it led me to do was to really examine myself for this new year, new decade, and to deal with the reality that, that there, there is some discouragement that I'm wrestling with when I consider where I am. This is my story. Listen, I, I know you all are in good spirit, so I, I'm, I've processed through this. So just to let you know, uh, after service today, I don't need you to pull me to a corner and pray for me. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm processing through. I'm having my own self-examination and woke up in 2020 saying, Lord, Lord, am I where not only I expected to be, but am I where you want me to be this year? And, and, and I wrestled with it. I prayed with it. And I, I just began reading and asking the Lord to send me somewhere. And finally, I came to this passage. And I just saw this one sentence pop off the pages. And it simply said this, therefore, we do not lose heart. Heart stop right there, by the way. As I'm battling discouragement, wondering why I am where I am in 2020, what leaped off the page was a simple sentence that said to me, therefore, we do not lose hope, period, hard stop. 
First and foremost, don't be discouraged, period, is what the Lord said to me. I feel like somebody in here needs to hear that, by the way. Yeah, regardless of what you've been experiencing, regardless of what 2019 brought to you, here's what God said to me. I believe that it's appropriate for all of us. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We ought not be discouraged. It, it, it reminded me of the book, The Hope Quotient, that we read all together as a church. You remember Ray Johnston's book? And Ray Johnston shared with his daughter when she asked him, a pastor, what is the most important part of your job? And Ray's response was not to preach, not to teach, not evangelism, not to bring up leaders. He said, the most important part of my job is to remain encouraged because if I am not encouraged, I am of no value to anyone else. And so before we can move forward in the new year, before you can begin to obtain the goals, to reach the things that you're pressing for, before we can see things change, and renewal to come, one of the first things you've got to make sure is that you are encouraged. Now, you want to know, Pastor, how do I become encouraged? Well, he's got a real simple solution for that. Me and my wife talk about it all the time. He says, real simple, the things that bring you energy do more. The things that drain you of energy do less. That's it. The things that bring you energy do more, and the things that drain you of energy do less. Or the people that bring you energy get around. The people who drain you of energy, let them go. Let me say it one more time. The people, the things, the places, the things that bring you energy do more of those. The people, the places, the things that drain you of energy, you've got to let them go. And when you do, you will find yourself encouraged. But I also need you to know this, this thing about, about how to be encouraged. The one thing about encouragement is this, um, to be encouraged or to not be discouraged does not mean that you live in denial. Yeah, man, so you can't, you can't walk around telling yourself that everything is okay when everything is not okay. You, you can't put yourself under the covers. You can't hide your head in the sand. You can't distance yourself from the world and say that everything's okay, I'm okay when you're not okay. It does not mean denial. Not being discouraged is not denial. There, there were some rough seasons that you've gone through. 2019 had some seasons that you want to let go of. There were some things that you wish that you can come out of. And in order for you to come out of, God can't fix what you won't face. You got to let the Lord know, this is what I've been struggling with. This is what I've been dealing with. Lord, help me to get through. You do not get out of it by denying it. Check this out. In order to experience real renewal, you don't deny it. Rather, you must seek devotion. The way out of discouragement is not through denial, but through devotion. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, in, in this passage, the first word that is selected there, you, you, you know, I'll put a scripture back up for us, please. The first word is really familiar. It says what? Therefore. Now, listen, um, you, you, you know the old thing that we were told, old pastors have told us that, or if you've been in school, they say, when you see the therefore, you need to do what? See what it's there for. And so in order to understand what Paul is alluding to, you got to flip back the pages or go back to some earlier verses to see what the therefore is there for. So what you do then is you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. And this is what you will discover when you see the therefore. But we have 
this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. For we are hard-pressed on every side, but not pressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Now, when you read this, there's a whole lot of debate about what Paul begins with, this treasure in jars of clay. The debate is about what is the treasure. I don't want to debate that because it's not really up for discussion right now. What I want to talk about is not the treasure, but the jars of clay. And there is no debate about the jars of clay to make it plainly. You and I are the jars of clay. Whatever the treasure is, let it be. But the jars of clay, that is us. We are jars of clay, meaning we are frail, we are common, and we are, we are prone to brokenness. Jars of clay, we are frail. We are common and we are prone to brokenness. Right now, on the inside of your body, there is a war happening. Did you know that? Because we are frail, we are common, and we are prone to brokenness. On the inside of your body, there's a war happening right now. Dr. Ralph West calls them cellular terrorists, or scientists call them free radicals. And the reason why your body deteriorates and you age is because the war happening on the inside of your body, which is why you are frail, why you are common, and why you are aging or deteriorating is because the free radicals, the cellular terrorists, are working against you right now. That's why you are fragile, you are frail, you are common, and you are prone to brokenness. Check this out. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was having lunch with a 75-year-old man. And his name is Mr. Henry. Man, Mr. Henry's a great guy. He's 75. He's retired twice. He's still working. And I asked Mr. Henry a while ago, I said, Mr. Henry, why are you still working? He said, well, because I can I said, good answer. Good answer, Mr. Henry. Um, and so we, we're sitting at lunch, and, 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 and we're talking about this. And Mr. Henry says that the reason why at 75 he still has the vitality that he has is because his gym set is right next to his bed. So he says, Jamel, I can't get to my closet without going through my gym. He says, the reason why I am still able to work, the reason why I still have my vitality is in order for me to take a shower and get dressed, I got to go through my gym. He says, so I work my way through my gym each and every day. He says, that's how I combat the free radicals because the free radicals are only as strong as you allow them to be if you allow atrophy to sit in. So in order for atrophy not to set in, I get up every morning and before I do anything else, I exercise and I fight against the free radicals. So I asked him then, I said, well, Mr. Henry, how long do you suppose you'll be able to do this? He says, well, I'm not really sure I know how long I'll be able to do this, but all I know is that I can't respond by doing nothing. So rather than doing nothing, I've taken the other path of doing the best that I can with every moment that I have to combat so that atrophy won't set in and the free radicals won't get to me. And so I'm sitting there then with this 75-year-old man who tells me that every morning I go to the gym before I get dressed and I struggle getting to the YMCA, which is really nice. And he said, before I wake up, I work out each and every day. And as we are talking, Mr. Henry pulls out a pen 
and a pad. And he pulls out a pen and a pad. It's lunchtime, by the way. And Mr. Henry begins to write down, check this out, five books that he came across from 7.30 that morning until lunchtime that day. The titles of the five books, the titles and the author's names. And he says, I saw these five books, and I'm going to make sure that when I get off work, I go buy these five books. I, I'm puzzled because I, I can't remember what I said two minutes ago. Mr. Henry wrote down the titles of five books along with the authors of those five books and remembered them clearly, but it didn't stop there. As we are talking, Mr. Henry sees on TV a basketball game that's being played, and Mr. Henry then begins to tell me about the basketball players that he had when he grew up in the 50s and 60s. He told me their teams. He told me their positions, where they played college. He told me about their experiences, some of their struggles. And I'm trying to figure out, Mr. Henry just wrote down five book titles with five authors. He just named about 15 basketball players from about 10 different teams, their college experiences, their coaches, and everything that they've gone through. Mr. Henry is a classic example of treasure and jars of clay. That Mr. Henry says that there may be the reality of my fragility and my brokenness and my commonness, but what I will not do is allow it to settle in. I will do my best and work what God has allowed me to do with the best that I can. But that, that's not the therefore, by the way. That, that just came to me. The, God, God places the treasure on the inside of these common fragile jars that are prone to brokenness to demonstrate that there's a permeating power that radiates from him to us. This treasure that comes from him to us, that's why as Paul is writing, he's experiencing or we experiencing as fragile and common and as prone to brokenness as we are, while we can be hard-pressed but not crushed. Why, we can be hard-pressed on every side. Check this out. When Paul is talking about hard-pressed, imagine something being crushed. But don't think about it as just one huge or ginormous thing crushing that something. Think about pressure coming from all sides. Paul says we are hard-pressed on every side. That's when in life it just comes from every angle. You ever been there? Where, where, listen, if it ain't one thing, it's what? It's another thing. Just things come. If, if it ain't just your money, then it's your relationships, it's your job, it's your friendships, it's these things. And so it's happening on each and every angle. And Paul is saying, listen, the reason why that you are able, as fragile, common, and prone to brokenness as you are, while you have not been crushed, is because there is a treasure on the inside of you that God has imparted on you that allows you, as fragile as you are, to wake up every day and still be able to move on and keep going. You are hard-pressed, but not crushed. But also, check this out. He says, you are perplexed, but not in despair. That's, that's talking about confusion. Listen, listen, listen. One of my favorite rappers, Fonte, I love it. He puts it like this. He says, I got stress on my main frame, doing what I got to do to get the main thing. God took me to the store, and I asked him why. And when he finally brought me out, I asked the same thing. Fonte says, listen, with everything that I'm experiencing, Lord, I'm still confused as to why I had to go through what I had to go through. Because, God, I've been faithful. 
Yeah, I've been going to church. I've been tithing. I've been reading. I've been praying and fasting, God. I've checked off the boxes, and I've done everything that I possibly can. But, Lord, for some reason, problem still comes. We are perplexed, by the way, Paul says, even though you don't know why God has allowed you to go through what you're going through. What Paul wants you to know, as confusing as this moment in time and this season may be, you are not in despair, which is the only reason you woke up this morning and you still have your right state of mind, the only reason you have yet to give up, the only reason why you keep trying, the only reason why you continue to look for a way out is because you have not totally checked out because you know on the inside of your heart that the Lord is still working for you. But also, also he says, we are persecuted but not abandoned. This, this is talking about basically you're harassed. Now, I know for us, we, we don't, we don't understand persecution in our culture. Um, uh, Western Christians have a funny idea of persecution. Uh, we think that gay marriage is persecution. Foolish thinking, foolish thinking. We, we, we think that having to bake a cake for somebody is persecution. That, that's petty thinking, guys. That's, that's petty thinking. That's not persecution. That's persecution. That's somebody want to get married and they want a cake. That's, don't, don't, don't hyper-spiritualize something that shouldn't be. We, we, we don't understand persecution. Persecution is about being harassed. There's something constantly after you. In the old time, in the old time, the Christians, because persecution was on them, they couldn't even utter the words of Jesus, the name of Jesus. They couldn't let people know their face. So the fish that you see, the only reason why they would know if you were a Christian is if you were in conversation, in order for us to identify ourselves, one person would draw one half of the fish with their foot, and the other guy would look down on a woman. If they knew what that meant, they would take their foot and draw the other half, that would let them know that it's okay to talk about Jesus. When's the last time you had to take down a Facebook post or Instagram or, or anything like that because you were afraid that some persecution or death or jail or imprisonment was going to come to you because of your belief? It does not happen in our culture, but I'll tell you where persecution does come. Yeah, persecution comes oftentimes through our relationships and through people who do not mean well for us. So when Paul is talking about the harassment that we experience, think about it like this. There are some people who refuse to let you be happy. And because they don't want to see you happy, they don't want to see the Lord working in your life, they don't want to see you experience the goodness of the Lord, they are going to do everything that they possibly can to rob and to steal you of the joy that the Lord has placed you on the inside of your life. But Paul says this, although you may per be persecuted, you may be harassed by life, what you need to know is the Lord has not forgotten you, that he has not abandoned you. But then finally he says, we are struck down but we are not down for the count, that you can get up again. Now, in light of all that, if the Lord brought you through to see this new year, Paul says, therefore, you've experienced all of this, all that pain and grief and loss. Don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged because what those verses point out to us is this. If you were not going to make it, you would not have made it. And the fact that you are standing or sitting here today is a testimony about God's hand upon you. Therefore, don't be discouraged. 
And then Paul goes on to say, because though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I love this because we, we always talk about the antithesis of this. We always talk about the fact that if you if you 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 look at my glory but you don't know my story. We we always talk about that and and that the opposite though still rings true. Uh, it may not be about my glory and my story, but you may look at my scars and may not know the scoop. You may not have known or you may not know everything that the Lord has been doing if you simply judge me based upon the scars, the the outward experience, the outward expression of things that I'm going through. Look at my scars, but you don't know the scoop. The Corinthian church looked at the scars of Paul. They looked at the suffering of Paul, and because his suffering was so outward and that his renewal was so internal and invisible, they just assumed that based upon his suffering that There was something going on that Paul needed to be delivered from. And Paul's saying, listen, outwardly, I may be wasting away, but you don't know inwardly, I am stronger than ever. That's what Mr. Henry told me, by the way, as he got up and he began to leave the lunchroom. He said to me, he says, Jamel, listen, I may look 75, but on the inside, baby, I feel like I'm 45. I'm feeling pretty good. And he walks on and gets back to his day. On the outside, you may be wasting away, but Paul says, internally, we are being renewed. Renewed when? Day by day. And some of us need to be assured of that. That what we experience does not define us. It does not make us because it ain't about what you lack and it's about what you pack and that there is something on the inside that is happening that you need to focus your energy and attention on rather than focusing your energy and attention on the things that are expressing themselves outwardly. I love it. I love it. The the great Renaissance author Michelangelo says this. He says, the more the marble wastes away, the more the statue grows. Yeah, the more that the marble, the the element that I use to construct something, the more that God wastes away, that life wastes away, the more that time goes with every year that passes, with every situation that damages, with every fight, with every argument, with every struggle, with every ounce of suffering, what's happening is that there is something else that is growing on the inside of us. There is why, that's why your wounds have given you wisdom. The reason why you're able to navigate much of what you can navigate this day is because yesterday you experienced something that gave you the slightest ounce of wisdom that has allowed you to navigate some of today's struggle. That's why your tears are oftentimes a symbol of the fact that you've triumphed over something. You've overcome. Your tears have been proof of that because now the Lord has shown you the way. Your pain oftentimes is nothing but a sign of the Lord's progress in your life. You have moved forward. You are testifying to that, that my scars, they don't tell the whole story. They don't tell the scoop. The Lord has been renewing me each and every day. Now, I I imagine talking to you last night, by the way, and and I imagine that as I gave that last point that that you kind of sit looking at me like you are uh, because this isn't new information, right? We're used to this. This isn't the first time, second time, maybe not even the 50th time that you've heard this type of teaching because it's, it's not about that part of it. That's not where we wrestle. We, we, know, we know these experiences that our past produced something in us that the Lord is working. That's, that's never been the struggle with humanity. The struggle with humanity is not, it's not that. It's, it's not about comprehension. It's about duration. 
It's about time. How long? How much? God, when can we put a time frame on it, Lord? When will I be delivered? When will I see the renewal in my life? It's not about, it's not about comprehension. I understand. It's about, it's about duration. God, how long? That, that, that's kind of, you know, what, 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 what life is about, what our experience is about. It's, 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 we're always counting the time, waiting for time, waiting for the deliverance to come. So it, it's, it's the new year. My, my time is out, by the way, so I got to hurry up. And uh, I, I want to do this before I take my seat. I, I, I traditionally don't, don't flow in the prophetic. It's not really my gift. But before I take my seat today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to for you a little bit. It's not really my gift, but I, I'm going I'm, I'm to give you a little bit of prophecy before I take my seat. So that you can understand time duration along with your comprehension. And, and here's what I'm not going to do. It's, it's 2020, man, and I'm not a numerologist. I'm, I'm not going to be the one who's going to tell you that in the year 2020, God's going to give you a new vision. I know we can play on those words. I'm not going to do that, I promise. That's, that's, that's not where the prophecy is going to go. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you that in this new year that God's going to pay you back for everything that you lost in the old year. Those, those prophecies, man, there's, there's a million other pastors preachers, prophets, telling you those things. I, I didn't come to do that either, by the way. You know, you know whatever God does, he's going to do. So I, I didn't come here to prophesy to you or, or to give you something that is thin in theology, but I do want to share something that I think that will help you understand when it comes to the, the duration of things. And, and, and here's the thing. I also oftentimes stray away from, I'm, I'm a little leery of corporate prophecies, group prophecies, that one person can speak something to everybody in a room. I, I remember last, last year, I was sitting home as the new year came, and I watched the televangelist come on TV, and he said, this year is your year. Whatever year you're watching this, that, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not going to do that either. I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to give you those stories. They're, 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 but I, I want to tell you that I don't know when God is going to deliver you. Uh, only he knows that. Neither can I tell you if this year is going to be a good one for you. Only God can tell you. But what I can tell you is this. It is the wrong attitude and focus if you're wondering about deliverance and when. Because if you're wondering when deliverance or when the duration ends, you're missing what God is doing right now. If you're focused on when the renewal will be complete, you're going to miss the work that the Lord is doing in you to complete the duration, to complete the time. There are things that he's doing right now. You may miss God in the moment. And so the change that you think that you need isn't really the change that you've been hoping or pursuing. The change that you need is not for the duration to end, not for the time to come to pass. The change that you need is for the renewal that the Lord wants to do into you, not tomorrow, not at the completion of the time, but right now. So my prophecy for you is this. When are you going to be renewed? When is the Lord going to change things? When is renewal going to happen? Well, it's not even me prophesying. It's actually the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul tells us this, that though inwardly we are being renewed day by day, here's what you need to understand. 
while you were going through it, while you were experiencing both celebration and lamentation, even in that moment right then, the Lord was renewing you at that moment. It is a continuous process that happens to us each and every day that the Lord puts breath in our bodies and we wake up and renewal is happening. You are being restored day by day, every second, every minute, every hour, every day. The Lord is renewing you. It's right now. And you're waiting for some magic moment to appear. It's not coming. It's happening right now. And if you're focused on tomorrow, you're missing today. The Lord is working right now. Right now. I got to go. I got to go. It, it, it's been a long time. But there, there's just there's one more part I just want you to get, and, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, the, the next verse says, or sentence says, for our light and momentary troubles, look what they're doing. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There, there's a word I want to geek out with you for a moment on. Uh, he says, for our light and momentary troubles, our achievement, it's really simple. You know, he's saying, listen, the, the weight that you're experiencing, the things that you're experiencing in reality is not as heavy as you think that they are. Listen, don't be deceived. It, if it could have crushed you, it would have. If it could have put you in despair, it would have. It's, it's light. It's light work because the Lord is, is holding it up. He's got you. But the, the, the next part of the sentence is what's great. For he's achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Far outweighs them all. In the Greek is one word. You're, you've heard of this word before. It's the word hyperbole. Far outweighs them all is in Greek hyperbole. Now, for those of us who are familiar with the word, hyperbole is an exaggeration, right? And it's normally an exaggeration to help us to prove a point that may lack a little truth, right? You, you may go above and beyond in order to try to prove a point, but it may not be the entire truth. It's, it's an exaggeration, right? But in the Greek, it's not that. When Paul is talking about hyperbole here, the, the glory that far outweighs them all, he's talking about what God is going to do to make up for you as he is renewing you will appear as though it is an exaggeration according to what you've experienced. Basically, Paul is saying, the Lord's going to make it up, and you're going to try to figure out, did what I go through, did it earn me all of this? Was it really worth all of this? Or my favorite scripture, I love it, Ephesians 3 and 20. We recite it almost every Sunday because I love it so much that the Lord will do exceedingly and abundantly above everything that you can ask or imagine. The Lord's going to look at your situation as he is renewing you and what he's going to make up for you. It's going to be an exaggerated point. He's going to show you how much he loves you by going above and beyond to prove how much he loves you. And that that change, that renewal is going to outweigh any affliction, any problem, any pain that you have been experiencing. It's going to go, he's going to go above and beyond. So the question then as we get out of here is, well, what do I do? You just keep waking up day by day. You keep trusting day by day and the Lord will renew you day by day 
Amen? Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet.